Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Great to have you with us today. And we have a wonderful program planned for you here. Some speaker training, seven keys to becoming a dynamic, sought-after speaker with our special guest, Connie Christensen. So during the next hour, you are going to discover the one preparatory project that will make or break your ministry, how to be aware of your audience, how to be sure you're reaching everyone, uh, how to unpack and apply the five C's of communication, what they are, how to leave them wanting more, and the trick to staying balanced and um, the progression instead of being played out. And we are going to learn even more than that during this hour. Our guest today is Connie Ruth Christensen of ConnieRuthChristensen.com. And she spells her last name with the S-E-N at the end, ConnieRuthChristensen.com. Connie is a seasoned and effective teacher, inspirational speaker, and author, and for many years as an administrator of educational programs, she mentored and motivated instructors to become more effective in the classroom. She also does public speaking herself in the United States and around the world, and I welcome you today, Connie. Hi, Marnie. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, and I'm so glad to have you. We've been looking forward to this day for a long time, <laughs> so yes, this is wonderful. Yes, we have. Oh, this yes, is great. We well, I want to just dive right in and get right to the meat of this. And so let's go ahead and assume that a speaker really is ready to go. Uh, they, they know where they're, the direction they're going, and they, they ha- either have a booking or they want to be really prepared when they get a booking. And so what is the one preparatory project that will make or break a speaking ministry? Well, I think there's several things they could look at, but I think one of the most important things is that when you step in front of a group, whether it's a small or large group, you understand who you are as a speaker. There's all kinds of possibilities there. But if you understand who you are as a speaker, your possibility of being dynamic in front of whichever group it is is more possible. And I ask um my people that I have trained, I ask them to ask themselves these four questions. Are you primarily an introvert or an extrovert, a teacher or a preacher, structured or spontaneous, motivator or inspirer? And I'm going to give you real short, brief ways of determining who you are in that way. And if you can decide this about yourself, you're off to a very good start of figuring out your way of presenting. And if you are you in front of the um, your audience, um, you're going to engage them right away and they are going to love who they are listening to. Wow, so, this is really already so great. You guys, if you don't have a pen and pencil ready or pen and paper ready, you want to get, get going. So you said introvert, extrovert, teacher, preacher, right. structured, spontaneous, motivator, inspirer. Okay, let's go back right. and do some examples. Okay. Um, now, the way you can determine whether you're an introvert or extrovert, it's pretty simple. An introvert tends to share from her the depth of her emotions while an extrovert tends to be dramatic and larger than life and tends to make bold statements and exaggerate the points. Mm -hmm. So which one are you? Do you pull things out of your emotions or do you get all dramatic and tell stories that are just borderline um, 
untrue because you make them so big. Which one are you? Where do you see yourself? So as I say these things, don't think of yourself in a social situation. Think of yourself standing in front of a group. How do you present things? Because you might be a little different in a social situation than you are behind a podium. So the next thing I want you to look at is this. Are you primarily a teacher or a preacher? Very simple way to tell. A teacher generally attempts to reach a person's heart by appealing to their thinking. Attempts to affect a person's thinking by appealing to their heart. So which one are you? Do you appeal to the heart or do you appeal to the brain? Which one are you? Where do you see yourself there? Now, the other thing you want to look at is are you structured or spontaneous? A structured speaker follows a strict pattern of thinking. A spontaneous speaker expects that one subject that comes out of your mouth will simply lead naturally to the next. You just keep talking and they all kind of run together. Which one are you? The fourth idea is, think about this. Are you primarily a motivator or an inspirer? So a motivator will use a variety of inspiring methods to convince someone to believe or do something. While an inspirer presents a subject in a manner which instills a sense of self-motivation in their listeners. Now, most of us are a combination of two or more of these styles. And there isn't a wrong or right way, but it is really important, in my opinion, and what I've seen in other people, it's really important to know which one you are or what are your strong points and then really use those for all that they're worth when you stand in front of a group. It will make you a much better presenter, much better speaker than you could have been before if you were following somebody else's idea how they do it. So don't mimic somebody else. You, you can be. I always tell people, there's only one you. And what, 7 billion people on this planet, there's only one you. And if God has given you this desire to be a speaker, nobody on the planet can do it the way you do. You are exactly enough to give the gift of you to the people who are listening. But if you try to be something different than who you are, then they miss that gift that God wants to give them. Does that make sense? Oh, it's so good. And I've really never heard it um, lined out like this. This is fantastic. And I just so agree with you that the key, the key to your speaking ministry is to understand who God has made you to be and to let him flow through that to, to accomplish his work in the world. Because anytime that we're trying to be like somebody else, we are really, um, diminishing what God created us to be. We're really not yes. being fully ourselves when we're trying to be somebody else. Yes. These are so cool. And I like what you said too, and it's so true. There's not really right or wrong here. Speakers are all yep. of these eight ways. And so it, it doesn't it's not like you have to be a different way. But you maybe have struggled with, you know, your introversion or you maybe have struggled with that you really wanted to be a preacher but you're really a teacher, you know, or whatever, vice versa. <laughs> and it's really just okay. I, I just love that. And that kinda leads us right into our next thought, 
which is which is how to think about the audience then do you need to change yourself in order to you know accommodate a different audience or you know the ways that we would consider and contemplate thinking about our audiences so why don't you talk about that for a few minutes those are really good questions and that i think Yes, knowing yourself is really important, but knowing who the people are that you're talking to is equally important. Now it's impossible, absolutely impossible to know your listeners intimately, absolutely. But your your listeners really need to feel that they know you intimately. They need to feel that they know you intimately. So without divulging your entire life, which is not a good idea as a speaker, (laughs) without doing that, you can portray pieces of yourself in a way that they will feel intimately drawn to you. Because if they feel intimately drawn to you, they will trust you. And if they trust you, they will be more likely to take the thing God has put on your heart and apply it to their own life. Now, the first thing you need to do is understand who they are at the very core. You can't know all of them, but there's there's some basic things. Um, there's some real real core basic things, and that is, are they men, women, or children? Now, I don't know who all of you speak to, but I've spoken to all of these different groups, and I know that there's a different way that you approach them, and you approach them in a way to show them that you understand who they are. For instance, if I speak primarily to women, I lean towards more emotional stories and emotional ideas. Women tend to love words that tug at their heartstrings and to reach their emotional needs. So if you're speaking to women, no matter who the women's group is, that will give them an idea that you understand who they are. And if most of, I think most of our listeners are probably women, and so women understand women. So that might be the easiest one of the group of groups to understand. But if your audience is primarily men, or you have you know, husbands and wives in the group, or both men and women in the group, I appeal to the practical in the men. I tell stories still, because that's part of my signature style. But I keep my stories shorter. I get to the point more quickly. I move from point to point more quickly. I lean more heavily on step-by-step teaching formats, and I tend to add some fix-it kind of ideas into my teachings because many men like to fix things by nature. So the fix-it ideas capture their attention. If there are children or teens in my audience, I make sure that I am relevant to their way of thinking. Now, it's been a long time since I've been a kid, But there are things that you can pull out, just little things that can grab their attention. For instance, if I were to speak to teens today, I would definitely bring up Pokemon 2. Now, if you don't have kids, you may not be aware of what Pokemon 2 is, but it's all the craze. I would bring something out about that. But more specifically than just the basics of is this a woman's group or a men's group or a children's group, I suggest highly that you research a little bit about the group you're going to be speaking to. Is it a club, a church group, a group of graduates, a social group? Learn a little bit about their group and their interests so that you can incorporate a bit of who they are as a group into your introduction. Um, This will help them trust you 
and open their hearts to what you have to say. So if you have those basics of who they are, you don't have to know them intimately, just some basics, then there are three things that you can do that will help your audience connect with you, will help your audience believe that you care about them, will help your audience understand that you are there to talk to them and that you're not just giving them some canned presentation. And even if you give the same basic presentation to multiple groups, this is a way to make it feel intimate to your um, listeners. And it's so important that they believe that they are intimate with you. Okay, these are real simple basic things, but they are things that I have watched speakers and teachers do for years or do the opposite of for years. Yeah. Number one is number one is talk to your audience and not at them. Talk to your audience and not at them. Now, um, even as I'm talking right now, I'm thinking of what Marnie's beautiful face looks like, and I'm imagining the people that are listening to me. And I'm trying not to say things, teacher mind, because I have a teacher mind. I've been teaching for years, and I can easily go into lecture mode. But even when I'm lecturing to a group of students, I do these three things. I talk to them instead of at them. And in a second, I'm going to give you the main way to talk to them instead of at them. And I'm going to give you the other two points here. Talk to your audience, not at them. Number two, relax and move around. And number three, smile. Those are the three basic ways to make them feel like you understand them. Now, the way you talk to your audience as opposed to at them, aside from the fact that you don't read your notes all the time, <laughs> sometimes new, teacher, new teachers and speakers will get so stuck to their notes that they forget to just be themselves. But a way to get away from that, even if you need to look at your notes often, is to give them eye contact. Eye contact creates a sense of intimacy, which in turn creates trust, which in turn creates an atmosphere of camaraderie. So how do you do that? Well, if you're in a small group, I suggest highly that you take time to look into the eyes of every single person in the group, just for a few seconds, long enough to know for them to know that you have connected with them as a person. Now, don't stare at them for a long period of time or you're going to make them very, very uncomfortable. And don't pick one person in the room to stare at the whole time because then it leaves out everybody. Spread the joy of your eye contact around the whole entire room. Give them all a sense of, wow, she knows me. She understands me. Because it's a reality. If you look in somebody's eyes, they believe that you care about them. So let them know that you do care about them. That's why you're there. Look in their eyes. Now, if you have a larger group, it's impossible to gaze into all their eyes. But you can look around the room. You can let your eyes roam around the entire room and stop and gaze in the direction of certain groups. And even if they don't, if you're not looking at each one of them individually, if you gaze in the direction of a group, they will get the sense that you are looking at them individually. It's a very powerful thing. When you give eye contact, it's a powerful thing. Now, if you smile at them when you're giving them eye contact, 
their whole entire being melts. It's just, it's a proven scientific fact. I wish I had time to get into the scientifics of it, but studies have been done at this. If you give eye contact and you give a smile, and if you have a chance, give a handshake at the same time, a good handshake with another hand over the top of it, those three things can literally melt the heart of somebody. And if their walls are up when they come in to listen to you speak, the walls come down. So when you move your eyes around the room and you smile, you create warmth. Warmth relaxes people. Now, you don't have to paste the smile on your face during the whole entire um, speaking, especially if if you're speaking for an hour and you try to paste the smile on your face. That's phony. But at least, unless you're one of those people just smiles all the time. And there are people that have a, I imagine you, Marnie, that you have a smile on your face all the time. I don't know if that's true, but I imagine, that's how I have you in my head. And maybe it's true and maybe it's not, but that's how you are in my head. That's not me. I have this face that is so expressive. I frown and I smile and I cry with my audience. And I am this, um, this expressive person. So I always put a smile on my face as soon as I walk on stage because sometimes I'm so intently thinking about how much I love all these people I can even look like I'm frowning some of you guys need to get rid of that frown lift your eyebrows and put a smile on your face when you walk out on stage because that smile will engage them and then throughout the time that you're speaking when you're looking in their eyes smile just a little one just not a big big cheesy thing just a smile And always end with a smile. They will remember the smile if you beginning and end with it. A smile and eye contact are powerful. Now add to that the third point, relax and move around. This is probably the one mistake I see speakers and teachers make, presenters, lecturers make um, more than anything, especially new speakers and teachers. You get really stiff and you get really nervous and you just kind of stand still. And you're paying so much attention to what you're saying that you're forgetting to just enjoy yourself. Now, sometimes the way the microphone's set up, you can't move up and down the stage. I love moving up and down the stage. Sometimes you can't. But even if you're standing in front of a microphone, you can at least move your body from side to side. You can move your arms. You can move your head. And it may feel unnatural at first, but practice doing it. Practice doing it in front of a mirror. Move around. Eye contact, smiling, moving around the room, these elements will all make the difference between how your audience perceives how you feel about them. Wow. Does that make sense? Such great stuff. Well, this is Marnie Sedberg. We're visiting today with Connie Ruth Christensen of ConnieRuthChristensen.com. We're going to come back and talk about how to be sure that you're reaching everyone in your audience and also BME, what it stands for, and how you can make sure to include it in every talk. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Did you know that the recordings of all of these podcasts are now available to you free of charge at Marnie.com? You can listen via Stitcher, iTunes, or Blog Talk Radio, or download the MP3 for easy listening anytime you have time. Every training module is 60 minutes long. 
features a guest expert and focuses on practical, doable, and easy to implement next steps in your particular fields of interest. Whether you're looking for help with author training, speaker training, to how to be a media guest, how to be a better manager. Maybe you want to be a women's ministry leader or you already are, or possibly you want to learn more about event planning. Bonus sections even address how to succeed in leadership, marriage, parenting, health, and more. So pick your area of interest and get going today. It's instantly accessible to you anytime you have time over at Marnie.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with our guest, Connie Ruth Christensen, talking about seven keys to becoming a dynamic, sought-after speaker. And if you're just joining us, you are going to want to listen to the archive of this and catch all the points that you already missed is such great training one of the things that i wanted to mention is you were talking about how you see me was always a smile but actually when i started my radio show which was 2009 i had right in front of me i had plastered this huge sign smile <laughs> because you know you just the problem is that even if you are a smiley person like me um you get so intent on what you're doing and the technical you know the technical aspects of things and what you're going to say next and how this interruption affected things that you really forget to be um to be enjoyable and to have fun yourself and so i think yes. that that is so so huge and i like i like how you said you know the the magic, the magic potion, I'm going to call it, because I'd never thought of this before, but of course it's true, <laughs> is when you greet someone with a two-handed handshake, eye contact, yes. and a smile. And they're really, other than a hug, there's probably nothing that's going to endear you more to that person than beginning a, a relationship or a meeting that way. So that's awesome. Well, let's talk about how to be sure that you're reaching everyone, because people really do have different ways that they learn, ways that they hear you even. Yes. Yes, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna remind you of the three major types of learning styles. And for many of the listeners today, this will not be earth shattering. You've probably heard of this, but I'm gonna give you something that you probably haven't thought about as a speaker. Now, first I'll go back and, and just tell you the three basics for those of you who haven't heard them. I'm gonna remind you of these that even though there are a variety of elements that affect the way a person's learn, um, you know, the intellect, the spiritual maturity, the education, how old somebody is, whether they're a man, woman, or child, even things like sleep deprivation or are you PMSing today, have you eaten today, all of those affect the way somebody learns, and you never know what somebody in your audience is going to be experiencing. But at the very core, they, all people learn um, three different ways, some sort of combination of auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. People either learn by hearing, learn by seeing, or learn by doing. And all of us have some combination of that. All of us learn all three ways, but most everybody has one that is stronger than the other. And when somebody is listening to a speaker, these sitting in one place, especially listening to a speaker, their strongest learning tool will come into play. And so if you're not reaching their strongest learning tool at that point in time, you're going to lose them. So some of you are like, I already know that. Okay, that's great. But I'm going to give you something you may not have thought of, and that is this. The thing that many speakers forget is this. We as speakers have a tendency to teach or speak in the way that we are comfortable learning. Let me say that again. We as speakers or teachers have a tendency to teach or speak 
the way we are comfortable learning. For instance, if you are an auditory person and you learn by listening, you may think that everybody in your audience wants to hear you talk for an hour. That may not be true. There are people that learn auditorily that are listening to you and they're picking up everything you say and they're drinking it in, but if they're a visual person and all you're doing is talking, you're going to lose them. They may be polite and they may be smiling at you and they may be even taking notes, but they may not be hearing everything that you want them to hear. If they are kinesthetic primarily and they don't have something to do, or at least think about something to do, you're going to lose them. So how do you do that? I mean, how do you go about reaching them all? Well, remember this one thing. If if your learning style is one thing, you have a, you'll be strong in that area. You don't need to focus on that area. If you're already a good listener, then you're probably a good talker. If you're already good at visual, then you're probably good at giving visual cues. If you're already good at kinesthetic, or if that's how you learn, you're probably good at giving people kinesthetic tools. So what you want to do is learn something about the other learning styles and learn how to incorporate them. I'm going to give you just a couple of brief ideas because we don't have a whole lot of time for this, but give you a few ideas. Again, an auditory listener can listen for hours, hours and hours. But a visual learner, if you don't give them something to look at, you will lose them. This can be done very simply for a visual learner. I generally, when I go speak someplace, I create a very fun PowerPoint or I bring a a video to show. It can be me speaking or it can be something fun. I incorporate something that gives them a picture of what I'm trying to say. Now, I'm primarily an auditory person. So what I will do is I will have a scripture or a quote or a picture of something that I'm talking about. I don't have all my words on the board. That's not how my brain works, and I think that's kind of boring anyway. But I'll put something that says what I'm saying on the board. Then the people who are listening to me will hear everything I say. The people who need to see something see a picture. They hear my words but they relate to the picture or the words on the board. That way I don't lose them. And I will often keep those slides moving throughout. The kinesthetic person is a little more complicated, but it can be easily reached if you give them something to do. Sometimes what I will do is I will tell a story that has step-by-step in it. Or when I'm teaching, I'll give step-by-step. A kinesthetic person can, in their mind, go step-by-step. They won't hear my stories necessarily, but they will hear the step-by-step. I also sometimes hand out simple pieces of paper with quotes that I'm going to say here and there. I'm a very spontaneous person, so this keeps me on track also. I have to remind myself, make sure you say these quotes, because otherwise I'll go off in some other direction. But I'll give them quotes or um, sentences that have blank places in them. They have to fill in a word. They will be listening to me so intently to see what is that word they have to fill in that I keep their attention. Make sure that you do something that is going to relate to all these people. 
um, when I tell stories, I'm very animated, and that catches the attention of the visual learner. And I create word pictures with my stories. And then I add the step-by-step points for the kinesthetic person. If you make sure that you're trying at least something to reach all the different learning styles, then you're going to really reach at least 90% of your audience. It's almost impossible to really to reach everybody, statistics say, but if you can really reach 90% of them by doing this, you will be what they consider a dynamic speaker. And that's what you're aiming for, not for your own glory, but because God has given you something to say. And if you are dynamic in the way that you approach it and the way that you reach everybody, then everybody hears. Jesus was especially good at this. He gave people pictures. He gave the visual learners pictures. He gave the auditory people stories. He gave the kinesthetic people things to hold on to, the bread and the fish. He gave all three learning styles something to take away. Even Jesus used all three of those learning styles to reach people. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And it's something that we just need to keep uh, keep in mind. One of the things I like to do is I like to change something maximum of seven minutes, more frequently about every three to four minutes, really change yes. either my body position, a slide, um, change my, like, if I'm if I'm telling something that's very heavy, then change it up a little bit. So people right now, our attention spans are pretty short, um, yes. generally speaking. <laughs> so if you Even when I was just talking just now, I was thinking, okay, I'm going on and on too long. I knew it in my head. It was like, that was too much. You, you have to gear your brain to realize that. Yeah, and, and, you know, and radio is even faster than, like, when you're in front of people. You even have to move faster yes. than the radio because they, yes. they can't see you. And so yes. it is really hard for us to remember that we live in a Twitter world now where, you know, you just, you just say it, you pack it in. But even if you don't know how, even if you can't figure out a way to include the kinesthetic, if you will change what they're looking at every few it minutes. Helps, yes. It helps if you have yes, them does. say to their friend, yes, or anything, anything that you can do to engage them once again, to bring them yes. back in. It's yeah. really helpful. And, you know, you can just at the beginning, one of the things that I do in a lot of my talks is I start with a theme and it's usually yes. a phrase like blessed is she who believes, uh, blessed is she who believes. And then I have them say that throughout the, throughout the talk and, and say it to me, blessed is she who believes, you know, and right away you bring in those kinesthetic people again. So yes, uh, I think it just helps. It helps to hear these things and be reminded of that again. And I'm so grateful that you shared that before we go to break, let's just talk real quickly about BME. What is BME and how do you use it? This is so easy. And yet, so important, beginning, middle, and ending, BME, or I like to call it beginning, meet, and ending. At the Mm. very beginning, at the very beginning, make sure you have a clear beginning. Let your audience know what they can expect. Let them know what you're going to do. You can use a statement, a title, a step-by-step plan, something to let them know what you're going to talk about. And then the middle, the meet, 
This is where you expand upon what you just told them that you were going to do. This is where your personality shines, where you explain in detail what you said at the beginning, where you tell your stories, where you clarify the title or the joke or the quote or remind them of what you said you were going to say in the first place. And then the end is where you recap what you said. You sum it up. You give them a quote again or a story. It can be the same quote or a different quote or a story, a short one, or a rundown point, something that will help them remember the meat of your presentation. The beginning and the ending are great places to catch the attention of all three learning styles. You start with something that appeals to visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. And I have to say that the beginning and ending are probably the two most important points of your presentation. Now, the middle is where you shine where you have fun, where you entertain, where you educate, where your personality as a speaker comes tumbling out. It's a wonderful for the audience during the five minutes or an hour-long presentation. It is the short-term stuff that is the good stuff. It's why they came to hear you. But statistics say that the beginning or the ending is what people remember long-term. So short-term, the middle is where you're really having fun with them right now. But beginning or ending is what they're going to remember long term. So don't neglect any one of those, a beginning, a middle, or an ending. They work together to make you effective. They work together to make you effective. That's awesome, and what a great way to describe it. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Connie Ruth Christensen of ConnieRuthChristensen.com. We're going to come back and unpack and apply the five C's of communication. We'll be right back. Find your next speaker at womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range. Speaker profiles include their bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. Connect directly with any speakers you like by phone, social media, or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connecting place for hundreds of speakers and thousands of event planners since 2002. It's all fast, fun, and free to search anytime you have time, day or night. Check it out now at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. And welcome back. This is Marnie. We're visiting today about seven keys to becoming a dynamic sought-after speaker. And our guest is Connie Ruth Christians. And thank you for being here, Connie. It's so fun to have you with us. Yeah, I'm enjoying myself. And, oh, good. Let's go ahead and dive right into the five C's of communication. All right. The five C's of communication. Clear, complete, concise, cohesive, and courteous. The five C's. Now, the best way I know to be clear is to remember the BME. Just let them know what you're going to say, explain what you just told them you were going to say, and recap what you said. To be complete, however, is a little more complex. Just make sure you give plenty of detail. Don't assume that everyone understands what you mean unless you explain what you mean. Explain the subject from from more than one angle. Tell a story from more than one angle angle if you're a storyteller. If you have a tendency to get off track, which women often do, make sure that you come back around to where you started. It's okay to get off track once in a while. It's okay to go off and tell a story. It's okay to be spontaneous. I love spontaneity, but make sure you come back. The only way you can be complete is if you finish what you started in the first place. 
And make sure you do what you say. In other words, if you say you're going to give four points, don't give three points or five points. Um, the kinesthetic and the visual learner will literally, especially the kinesthetic learner, they really can't handle that. If you give four points, mm-hmm. they want four points. So just remember that. Um, now, being complete isn't necessarily the problem with most women because most women can go on and on forever, sometimes too much. So the third point is be concise. Even though you're being complete, don't go on and on and on and on until you lose your audience. Short, simple statements are better than long, drawn-out explanations as a general rule. And there is a time and place for that, yes. But especially as women, we need to be careful we don't get carried away in our own head. Be aware of your audience at all times. Are you losing them? Are you keeping their attention? Um, Be concise. Now, while you're being concise... Be cohesive. Being cohesive, simply think about a Band-Aid keeping together, something that makes things stick together. Don't go from point A to point Z without telling them the steps B, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, you know, all the way to the end of the alphabet. Don't jump from point A to point Z without letting them know how you're getting there. Sometimes I think we have a tendency as women to think everybody can follow our train of thought because if you get a group of women together talking, we can all talk at the same time and we all hear each other. You know how that is? <laughs> but when people are speaking, when you're standing in front of a group, they're not being engaged with their own voice. They're just focused on you. So you have to help them follow a cohesive path. Now, while you are doing all of this, this is probably the most important right here is to be courteous. Wherever you go, people think differently and feel differently about a lot of different subjects. And um, I'm not saying you have to always be politically correct, and I'm not saying you always have to avoid the difficult subjects. Sometimes we speak about difficult subjects, and sometimes we speak about controversial subjects, especially when you get into the Word of God in this current society that we have. But always be courteous. And by being courteous, I mean be kind. Choose your words wisely. Avoid saying anything that is going to leave a lasting negative impression. You are there to inspire people to seek God out. You are there to inspire people to be a better them. You are there to inspire people to more love and to more joy and to more peace. Let the Holy Spirit do that kind of thing in their life if he wants to do that thing in their heart. But it's up to you to present this love. I mean, what did Jesus say was the most important commandment was to love. So be kind, be loving, choose your word wisely. Even if you're a teacher teaching a difficult subject, be wise in your word. Remember what the scriptures say, that your mouth, your words, literally have the power to create life and to create death, to create blessing or to create cursing. So choose every subject, whether it's a difficult one, whether it's a fun one, whether it's a a scriptural one or whether it's a motivational one, whatever it is you're doing, choose to speak life, choose to speak blessing, choose to be courteous as a speaker. And those are the five points. Oh, and I'm really so glad that you focus so much on courtesy. We just did a, 
a webinar for the speakers um, this week, and one of the things that I talk about there is how when a event planner reaches out to you as a speaker, they are scared. They're nervous. They don't know you. It's almost like a guy asking yes. a girl on a date. And as girls, we don't really get how terrifying that is. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. if you've ever had to ask a big ask of somebody and, you know, you're just nervous and you, you know, you want them to like you and you want them to do it and you want them to think that your thing is cool and that your budget is great and that, you know, everything, you just want it to be um, perfect. And sometimes speakers can just be really focused on, you know, what they need. Um, right. And they yeah. can be a little harsh maybe in coming back to, you know, after a planner might say how much they have in the budget, you know, maybe not such a gracious response or maybe, uh, it, you know, they want you to come, you know, 400 miles and speak for 20 minutes. And that just, you know, doesn't seem like very long. And, you know, however it is, we need to just be courteous and be kind. And the same thing applies from the very beginning of your relationship with that event planner all the way through when you leave and even afterwards that you remain um, the spirit of Jesus in love. And I think that that's such a critical yes. factor and one that's often yes. missed. And, and I'm, I was guilty of it myself many times. Hopefully I don't do that anymore, but um, you know, <laughs> I really, I really was focused on me a lot. You know, when I first started, I was focused on my needs and um, you know, how, how things felt and, and went for me. And, and I think it's the sooner we can get out of that position and into a position of service and a position of being you know, God, being being God's flow through vessel of love to these people, it, it just helps so much. Yes, it does. And um, um, I, we're all basically self-centered if we're not careful. That's just the nature of the human being. Yes. We're basically mm-hmm. self-centered, and we have to pull away from that and remember why are we there? Why are we there to speak to those people? It's to benefit them. Yes, it's something we enjoy, but that's what we're there for our hearts for these people, for these women. I love it, love it. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Connie Ruth Christensen of ConnieRuthChristensen.com. We're going to come right back and talk about how to leave them wanting more as well as one trick to stay balanced and in progression instead of broken and played out. We'll be right back. Let's talk about boot camps, webinars, expos, group coaching, and stuff like that. I love investing into your life at every opportunity, so I host group coaching programs plus frequent expos, webinars, and boot camps. For example, visit www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's one of the sites that's under the umbrella of Marnie.com. Over there, you're going to find 80 individual 15-minute interview MP3s with authors of women's Bible study books. So the next time you're choosing a Bible study book for yourself or your group, visit BibleStudyExpo.com and actually meet the authors and hear why they wrote that book. It's available anytime you have time over at BibleStudyExpo.com. Another thing you'll find at Marty.com are the MP3s, PDFs, and PowerPoints of all previous boot camps. So you can tap into that training in your spare moment. No need to show up on a particular day because everything's available to you anytime you have time. And be sure to take advantage of the monthly group coaching programs. I personally have paid $600 for group coaching like this, but I offer it free as part of the mentorship program or a la carte for just $99 a month. My heart is to help you succeed at reaching your God-given goals as soon as possible. So join us each month for 21-day group coaching. All of this and more is available to you at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. 
And welcome back. We are coming into the last leg of the journey here about seven keys to becoming a dynamic sought after speaker with our special day guest today, Connie Ruth Christensen. Connie, let's talk about something that all speakers want to do and some speakers accomplish, which is uh, when you're done, the, the people are on the edge of their seat like, like oh, I could have listened to her all day. Oh, I just wish I could have understood more and we just didn't have enough time. Um, how do how do speakers actually accomplish that? Well, aside from all the things that we've talked about, I have done some studies about what do people really remember? And they talk about how much people forget over time. So I have learned over the years to at least give one thing, at least one thing, I'm hoping it's a lot more stuff, but at least one thing that they can grab a hold of and take with them. The other day, I somebody approached me out of somewhere, I don't even remember where it was, and said, I remember you. You spoke on the poop bug. And I was like, what? And I had to remember, what the world were they talking about? It was about two years ago. They said, every time that I'm having a difficult point in my life and I think I can't do it, I remember that poop bug. And I'm like, poop bug? What are they talking about? So I went back in my mind, I went back through my notes, and I realized what I had done. About two years ago, I spoke at a graduation ceremony. I was tired. I wasn't at my best. I gave what I thought was a mediocre presentation about you can do anything, the future is bright, go forth and prosper, blah, 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 blah. And in my head, it really was 20 minutes of blah, blah, blah. I prefer going into churches or into women's retreats and speaking about the word, but I was I was called in to do this rah, rah, rah kind of graduation thing, and so I did it. I'm happy to do it. But it turns out that one of the stories I told people during this time was about the firefly. And I told them, I don't remember all the words I used, but basically I told them that the firefly that children love to capture in a jar is actually a tiny beetle whose job in life is basically to poop. And and that poop um, protects the environment in a certain way. I won't get into the details right now because of time. But when that firefly poops, his poop glows. (laughs) It is the poop of the firefly that glows. And so I ended this. I went back and tried to remember how did I end this. And I remembered I ended this short time that I spent with these people saying, that if this tiny little pooping bug can create such joy and have such an effect on the environment and little children and adults all around the world, surely people such as yourself who have studied so long to be medical health care people and massage therapy, surely you can make a difference in your world. And two Mm -hmm. years later, people are still remembering that poop bug. Now, I don't remember anything else I said. They probably don't remember anything else I said. But what I gave them was a nugget, something that they could remember, something unusual, something they could hold on to that would, even years later, motivate them to keep going when they wanted to give up. That's what you need to try to do, create a memory. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be something simple as a firefly. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's such a great point. And, you know, we really do remember the stories, especially the, you know, something that's unique or really out of the ordinary. We, our brains are built to remember those. And I think it's so interesting that the Bible isn't a list of things to do, even though there, it doesn't yes. include lists. Mostly, it's just story, story after story after story yes. after story after story. And God knows, I mean, that's how he built us. And I, I believe that's how he is. He loves story. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm kind of excited because I think that in heaven, I think we get to see the rest of the stories that we missed here. And that's part of what's going to make eternity so amazing. Exciting. That we have all yeah. these billions of stories uh, to, to see where God was faithful. And it's just going to be this amazing, amazing uh, discovery period of time. But as we are in front of audiences to make sure that it's not just all lists or step by steps, but that we have this story that comes in. And I love that you use that beautiful illustration. I mean, some of my, some of my favorite sermons through the years are because of a story in that sermon or from some of my favorite talks for sure. Yes, yeah. Stories are really important, and quotes are really important, even if they're not your quotes. Somebody else's quote that's really powerful. They're so important. They really well, capture people. Jesus was an expert at that. Yeah. No surprise there, but he was an expert at that. Yeah, and of course, the quotes the quotes do something also uh, where it brings validity to your point because another person has said it. It's not just you saying it. You say it, and then yes. you use this quote, or you introduce it with a quote that allows the audience to relax a little and trust you a little bit more because yes. it's not just your opinion. And that's another thing, too. Um, we're not really talking about that right now, but another thing, too, if you use statistics, you have to uh, give them some sense of of validity to it. You can't just throw out numbers uh, without any anything to back it up. It, it, but you shouldn't stand there and say the whole, you know, uh, the whole report's name and journal and all that either. So just make sure that you recognize, and back this is back to the kind of the courtesy thing again, where you recognize that they have all, they 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 all have BS meters, you know, where they're like they're checking out to see, you know, is this really is this really true? Is this person really true? Do I really trust the person? You know, can I can I relax and hear what they're saying, or do I have to test every word that's coming out of their mouth? And as you use quotes, as you use stories, as you use you know statistics that are that are you know verifiable, those kind of things really help people to be able to relax enough to really receive what you're saying instead of having you know their defenses up the whole time trying to filter out what's not true yes. and what's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yes. great. Yeah. yeah. And I was I was I was also thinking avoid those inflated phrases like everybody and all the world right. and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think as a speaker, you know, you really don't realize, you didn't really don't realize how much of a trust uh, factor has to be overcome, which is one of the reasons why event planners like to bring in someone who is already known and trusted. Okay, so people yes. have read your book. Well, they already know you and trust you. Uh, they've, they've heard you on the radio or whatever. They love to bring in a speaker like that because mm-hmm. there is less of that to overcome. But when you are yes. standing up there and you're new to them, you know, basically you have smile, eye contact, and then you have your words, and that's it, and you have to overcome it yep. all going forward with yep. that. So, so, yep. so important. Is there anything else you wanted to mention here in this part about leaving a lasting impression with your audience? Well, I think that when you put all the pieces together of who you are, 
And when you take stories that help people relate to you, and if you are genuine, and if, like you said, you make sure that whatever you say somebody else says is backed up by by facts <laughs> rather than just choosing random words out of um, out of the air, and if what you're saying is specifically if you're speaking to um, church groups or um, retreats, those kind of things, if you're backed up by scripture, and you're not trying to prove your own point, you're trying to benefit their life. If you're trying to prove your own point or prove who you are or how good you are or convincing people to follow you, that's not near as effective as if you just let them know by your actions, by your words, that what you're there for is to help them have a better life, help them have a more effective life, a more successful life, to reach their goals, to reach beyond their sadness, to find joy, to reach beyond their pain, to find healing. If they can sense that Jesus is flowing through you with that motivation, you will leave a positive, lasting impact. And Mm. which really... Um, I think we're about running out of time here, and so I did want to get to this last point, reaching for excellence, not perfection, because I think people feel this. I know people feel this. If you are reaching for perfection (laughs) rather than excellence, they're going to sense that. They're going to sense the tenseness of that. They're going to sense the... um, the imbalance within you. But if you are reaching for excellence for yourself and you are wanting excellence for them, not perfection, they're going to sense that too. I want to give you some thoughts about perfectionism versus excellence. I'm going to leave you with these nuggets. We may have time for a few more things after this, but I want to wind it up from my perspective um, with this idea. Perfectionism is motivated by doubts. Excellence is motivated by faith. Perfectionism is fear. Excellence is taking a risk. Perfectionism is control. Excellence is adaptable. Perfectionism encourages judgment and guilt. Excellence encourages acceptance. Mm. Perfectionism limits your vision. Excellence encourages creativity. Perfectionism strives to reach a goal, and excellence enjoys the journey. Perfectionism or perfection is absolutely impossible. Excellence, however, inspires limitless possibilities. Perfectionism robs you of your peace, and excellence creates a place for joy. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whether you are a new speaker or a brand new speaker, whether you are, whichever thing that you are wanting to add to your life to benefit other people, 
there is sometimes a perfectionist in that entrepreneur. There is sometimes a perfectionist in that speaker or that writer or that person who is trying to get a point across, who wants to benefit other people's lives. There is a perfectionist in there. And sometimes we get so caught up in the perfection of it that we forget that it's truly excellence that is going to bring freedom to both you and to your audience. Perfectionism robs you of your peace where excellence creates a place for joy. And if you have that peace, you will literally portray that, the peace and that joy to your audience, not just yourself, but to your audience. So create that place for joy by allowing for excellence, not perfectionism. Don't let perfectionism take over this goal that you have to be a speaker or an event planner or whatever it is you want to be. So good. Wow, really great. And I I love you are uh, you are obviously both a skilled and gifted communicator. As I was sitting here, I was thinking, well, I need to I need to understand the difference between excellent and perfectionism. And then you said, so I'm going to just share with you the difference between excellence and perfectionism. You know, and as a speaker, you know, here in this in this setting, I could actually ask you that question. But as a speaker, you need to predict what your audience is going to be asking right in that moment, so you don't lose them so that you address their concerns that you're bringing to the surface. And I love how you did that throughout the whole hour and how you do that in your ministry and in your speaking. So it's amazing. Oh, Connie, this hour has flown by. Wow. I know it's been so much fun. (laughs) I've had so much fun with you, Marnie. Thank you. And I just want to say to anybody listening, I love you guys. Go for your dream. Don't give Mm. up. If God has put it in your heart, go for your dream. And let Marnie train you and lead you and guide you. She's got a real gift. Let her give you the wisdom of that. Make the most of what she has to teach you. Grab a hold of anything that anybody can give you to teach you, whether you are an experienced teacher or a new one. We're all learning and we're all growing. So just keep going, you guys. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. (laughs) And don't leave quite yet, Connie. So you guys oh, want to go check I'm out her. Like all excited now. <laughs> yeah, so you guys want to go check out her website. It's Connie Ruth Christensen and S E N at the end there dot com. Connie Ruth Christensen dot com. Connie, if they go over there, what are they going to find? Well, they're going to find pictures of me, which of course is important. <laughs> they're going to see. You can see that I what I look like. That's important to relate to somebody. You, I have some clips in there where you can listen to me speak. A couple of different. Um, just short clips. Um, you're going to see some videos of some of the places that I visited. You're going to see some letters and some um, um, inspiring words that other people have spoken about me. You're going to see some of the other things that I do, some of the nonprofits I'm involved in that you might want to get involved in. You're going to see um, some books that I've written. You're going to see little clips from them. You're going to see a place where you can get in touch with me, how you can get in touch with me. Um, you're just going to learn a little bit more about who I am, and I would love to hear from you. Email me. Get in touch with me once we email. Um, if having a phone number is something you would like, I'd be glad to speak with you. I'm here even if you just want to ask a question or you want to say hi and get to know me and we can connect. There's Facebook connections. There's Google connections. There's any possible kind of connection you want to make with me. It's all there on the website. So go over and visit me. 
That's awesome. Well, this is Marnie. We are out of time. Connie, thank you so much. Bye, Marnie. Bye-bye. And thank you guys so much. Can't do a radio program without listeners, and you guys always come out and flock during the show when it's live. So grateful for that. You always throw us on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Appreciate that. And for those of you who listen around the web and at the syndicated stations, thank you. And if you want to have a uh, Blog Talk Radio player on your website, that's easy to do. Just go to Blog Talk Radio, Marnie's Friends, and it'll show you exactly what to do there. Thanks. Hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.